Hello and welcome, community, to Generational Archives, the show where we connect, heal, and uncover through intergenerational conversations and archival research. If you have been following along, then you have been following along and on the journey with us. I am Dr. Reina J. Leon, and I am a co-host, part of the mother-daughter duo for this podcast, and I'm with my mom, as always, Dr. Norma Thomas. How are you going to introduce yourself today, mommy? Hello, and I'm glad you've been following along, hopefully. And again, if this is your first time, I hope it will not be your last. Excellent. And we also hope that along the journey of us sharing stories that are vulnerable and intimate, that you yourself are inspired to ask the questions, to do the research, and share with your people the stories that are part of your beginnings. So today, we're going to actually talk about beginnings with birth stories. But before we share that, a question, which is the one that I just found on the internet, um, just to Google, what are some good check-in questions? Oh, how do you spend most of your time? (laughs) So, Mommy, how do you spend most of your time? Well... That was an easy answer because most of my time lately is with my grandchildren. <laughs> so I help with childcare responsibilities with my two grandchildren. Which is wonderful. A great gift that you and Poppy um, are able to do that work with us. Um, but also it's a great gift of our community that during the pandemic, the we made choices. And my family chose to move from... Uh, California back to Pennsylvania, but you also um, made a big choice, which was to sell your house in Western Pennsylvania in Hopwood and move to 15 minutes closer to us in Philadelphia, the city where I grew up. And we have this little pod that has been functioning since, you know, midway through the height of the pandemic, where we see one another almost every day. And my children benefit from you all picking them up and Bobby making the snacks, insisting on the snacks and going to the grocery store and buying a balloon or buying some some candy that they don't need or the toys that they don't need. But the ability to walk alongside Bobby or you and and just have that immersion in um, connection is this incredible gift. Um, So how do I spend most of my time? Um, probably playing around too much with, uh, with artsy things. Some days I'm, I'm, uh, um, making stuff with my kids. For example, yesterday we made foot paintings. That was a lot of fun. So I brought out my special paper, a roll of like brown butcher paper, and we painted, um, each other's feet and they did, uh, foot paintings across this roll of paper and then it required a whole lot of cleaning afterwards but it was amazing and the kids had a lot of fun so again a lot of time with the kids and also a lot of time devoted to creative practice and this right like we spend a lot of time together so that's cool so we're going to transition into birth stories why so i i'm the one who came up with this idea because first i could swear i read this in a book but i cannot place it where the character was talking about how every year the mother would tell the child their their birth story and and I think that that's an incredible gift to know 
the very beginnings of you and the be very beginnings of your relationship with your mother, too. So there's that. Also, my kids go to a, a, a Waldorf school, inspired school, and that's a, a part of their tradition, too. They invite parents to come in and they give the parents a, a beeswax candle and some beeswax um, additions, all these different colors, so you can make uh, bees that we, beeswax ca candle that will follow your child for their birthday or half birthday all throughout their years at uh, at the school. And they ask, or at least in the tradition of this school, they ask the parents to say some things about their birth story, about who they were as a little one, the youngest, um, and how they have changed and grown over the years. And so it becomes this classroom ritual where the teacher can share what they have learned from the parents and everyone comes to know that person even more deeply and and I'm sure they see commonalities in the stories as well as just c making this beautiful connection with one another as whole people and not just who they are in the classroom but who they are within their families and communities so I like that idea, and so I, I thought that we should talk about birth stories. And so then I asked you about your birth story as far as, like, how the birth story for grandmom birthing you, and you said what? Well, my birth story, I don't know a whole lot about. My actual birth story, uh, you know, I was born in on a, uh, uh Army base in Columbus, Georgia, and came to Uniontown to live my first year. My understanding is that most of us were small babies, small compared to what they talk about now, that we were small in the last episode. We talked about my, my uh, the siblings that are twins, that they only thought there was one because, of course, there was not ultrasounds and those high-tech things that they have now. And so... Uh, my actual birth story, I don't know a whole lot about. Well, and and I didn't know until we were talking about preparing for this episode that um, grandmom had small babies because that would have been useful when I was having my own babies. And doctors were saying, oh, you have gestational diabetes, which is what I developed with my, both my pregnancies. They're going to be giant babies and have I had all this monitoring and everything. And and then I got to the point of, oh, your babies are too small. They're too small, too small babies. And I was like, what are you all telling me about the size of these babies? And and I kept saying to the doctors, too, we're small people, y'all. We're small people. <laughs> but if I had known, too, that as far as generationally, there might have been um, a connection of my people growing smaller babies, then maybe that would have also given me some more information to give to the doctors. And so, I went back and looked at birth certificates for all of us, and they did not record the weight, mm -hmm. so I could not find that. So in my head, the the youngest ones were small, I think, or the older ones were small. I think the younger ones were based on pictures a little heavier, but mm. not big babies. Nobody was, you know, an eight, you know, well, even eight pounds today is not big, but nine, mm -hmm. 10 pound babies. Nobody was that, that size. And then there was me. <laughs> so my birth story, Mavi. 
Your birth story is interesting. First of all, they thought you were a twin for yes. the longest time. I love this story, and I like to tell people that I swallowed my twin. I don't know why <laughs> I like to tell people that, but yes, I like to um, make believe that there is another being within me. <laughs> and, and at first, I can remember being panicked about this idea of having two babies. And then I got very used to this idea that I would be like one birth and done. So I would have these two babies, and that would be it. And then at some point they said, no, it's only one baby. Because She's... I swallowed my twin. That's no, what happened. <laughs> so there was a, and she, and Raina was eight pounds, six ounces. So she Big was, baby. she was bigger than my son. I gained a good deal of weight, but, but actually more with my son. But the pregnancy went pretty routinely until the end. Well, and, and part of the story is that didn't grandmom also have a dream about, you being pregnant because that was in one of our previous episodes she had dreams all the time about people <laughs> being pregnant and so yeah she would she would uh i think she had the same dream about faith i don't know but these she was one of those people who she would have dreams and call you up because she figured something was wrong so she had dreams all the time but the the pregnancy was pretty routine until the end. Uh, you were late, and all of a sudden I go into a doctor's office, and they're in a panic because I have my blood pressure is through the roof. They put me in the hospital, and I was in the hospital on total bed rest. I could only go from the bed to the bathroom back to the bed. And I was in a single room by myself for a week. And I'm begging to go home and begging to go home. I'm looking at TV. It's the same week that Ronald Reagan was shot. Mm. So that was the news of the day. And I'm calling people as the news is coming over the screen. I'm calling my job because my intent was to work up until they dragged me out of the building. <laughs> and unfortunately, I had to leave a little early. So... That was the first warning that things were not going to be as normal as we thought. Then when I actually went into what I thought was labor, I went into the doctor's office. You could see from their faces that they're kind of panicking, and they instantly said, this is going to be a cesarean. You had asked me why they knew that. I can't remember what they said in terms of the reasons why, but that is what they said. And I get to the hospital, and the hospital has no operating room. So I was at the hospital. I know in the morning, you were not born until about 4.30 in the afternoon. So I was in labor all that time, everyone knowing that the birth had to be cesarean, being very concerned about your status, People coming in and, and like my husband and I had gone to these birthing classes. So he's trying to tell me to breathe. And I'm like, it's not going to do me any good. I'm, you know, they have to do surgery for me to have this baby. I'm not having a natural birth. My sister and my mother being very upset. My sister actually, when we got in the hospital saying she didn't like the look of the hospital because again, she was a nurse and she said, I can tell a lot of these people are temporary. I don't like this hospital. So that always stayed in my head. Mm. And then finally, finally, you were born. And I was in the hospital for about a week. And things seemed to be okay. I remember having a low-grade fever, but that they sent me home anyway. You had to be under the lights for a while mm. because of being jaundiced. So that I do remember also. 
But it didn't take long for me to get home and be in the most excruciating pain that I have ever been in in my life. I can remember taking every painkiller that was in my house and none of it helping at all. And finally, I had to, I, I would not go back to the hospital until my mother had to leave. She was going to a conference in Atlanta, but my grandmother was coming. And I would not go back to the hospital until my grandmother got there. And when she got there, her and my sister, I believe, literally carried me in the car to the emergency room. I was admitted with a massive staph infection. By the grace of God, I didn't pass it on to you because Mm -hmm. that was the instant, you know, folks thought is that I could have passed this on to my newborn. But I was in the hospital for an additional 10 days, had to have surgery, They were actually at the point of talking blood transfusions. The doctor said my mother was talking to him every day. And when she was ready, when she finally said to the doctor, I'm on my way back and I want to know something because apparently she wasn't getting good answers. I would talk to her and she was like, I was screaming at your doctor. They're not giving me good answers. I'm coming back. They discharged me before my mother got there. And the doctor was very clear that they were discharging me before my mother got there. So she she got off the airport and I was at home because the doctor did not want to face my mom somehow. But that was my story with your brother. They knew it was going to be a cesarean Everything went pretty smoothly. They had given me one date, and then it turned out to be maybe three weeks later that they actually did the surgery. My grandmother was there. My grandmother in in Columbus, Ohio, was there. And things went smoothly, although I did wind up back in the emergency room because the same problem that flared itself up when, when you were born flared up again, although this time at least... There was no staph infection, mm. so I wound up back in the hospital. But other than that, the experience was very, very, very different. Well, and one thing that I want to uplift around the beginnings of me is that my great-grandmother, my grandmother, my aunt, my beginnings are very much surrounded by the strength and love and care of the women in my family. And and I think that that is so poignant, especially when thinking about the birth story for my babies, um, which was far, like, um, in some ways, very, very different and in some ways, very congruent with some of the difficulties. So with my with my son um, there, I had read so many different articles and studies around the number of black women um, and healthcare op- uh, op- outcomes for, um, for black women, black maternal health, that says that black mothers are three to four times more likely to die giving birth to their babies. And it doesn't matter what the education is. It doesn't matter the wealth. It doesn't matter whatever anyone's circumstance is. Black mothers die more. Um, and and that's across the U.S. And no matter the state, all all sorts of, of factors as far as controlling for them. And so I go into mothering very aware of that. 
my babies are also IVF babies. So science had to be very involved. And so they were monitored. I was monitored um, weekly from the very beginnings of them. And from the very beginnings was aware of um, healthcare challenges or, or health challenges of the gestational diabetes um, and then being very conscious of my blood pressure and so on. So I did all the things. I had acupuncture. I had a Reiki healer. I, <laughs> what else did I do? I did the yoga. I did um, daily walks for like an hour. Um, I you did, were connected to a birthing center. Yes, I connected to a birthing center because I did not want to give birth in a hospital with my with my son. And I was, especially even with the OBGYN, um, that I was seeing, and I saw a few at the same time. I, I was shopping my care um, because I didn't like when people would not talk to me or only say, give me information if my husband was there. Um, and and I had one instance where I had just met an OBGYN for the first time, and she was like, okay, so when are we planning this uh, C-section? I was like, that is not my birth plan. Um, I don't know who you are. Uh, like, I really had no idea who this person was. My doctor wasn't there at the time. But the visit afterwards left me shaking. I was so concerned and fearful. And I told uh, my husband, I will, I'm never coming here again. Um, and I am, you have to come with me to every single visit afterwards. Cause I think he wasn't there at the time. He wasn't there. And, and I was convinced that I would be like, you know, strapped to a bed against my, um, wishes. Right. So I was tapped into a birthing center and they were wonderful, um, super supportive, mindful of not wanting a lot of intrusion. And so we get to the, the end, um, waiting for my son to arrive. He's like a week late. You had come already. We had planned for you to be there for a few months. And then my um, my in-laws, my in-laws were going to come for a few months. So we had this plan of surrounding our, our emerging family with care too. Um, and I, baby wasn't coming. It was a week late. And if a, he waited too much longer than the maternity center was like, okay, so then you're going to have to go to a hospital. I was like, nah, we're doing everything. And I was swimming. I was, I was, I was doing all, all the things that you could possibly do to rush this baby. We walked, we went Walking, to the acupuncturist. I remember. I was on this herb strategy, mm. like uh, these teas that were terrible, but I was like, this baby is coming. And I even did um, a treatment at my um, maternity center the day um, my son was born. And um, that this last treatment was really supposed to induce labor. And it wasn't working. And it was just painful. It was so painful. So eventually I take this thing out. And that's when all of a sudden this baby is coming. So um, within... Oh, and Judge Judy was a part of my laboring <laughs> story. Thank you, Judge Judy. I watched a lot of episodes. It's lovely. Mindless got me out of the pain. Um, and you were doing like acupressure um, on my hand and my my husband on my foot or the opposite. Can't remember. Um, but eventually uh, we were on the phone with the maternity center and because I labored at home and was like okay so Mateo you need to tell them like I feel the urge to push we gotta go so well it was it was also if the contractions got to x yeah. point you were supposed to go to the birthing center 
And I was like, wait, wait, we're beyond that point. Yes, we were. <laughs> we're beyond that point. Because they were kind of going up and down. It was like, it was, wasn't so clear. It was my first baby, y'all. So we're getting to the point where I'm like, okay, we got to go. So my, my parents are there. Mateo and I, uh, my parents were like, oh, yeah, we'll lock up the house and everything. Uh, Mateo was like, maybe we should wait for them. Nah, man, we got to get in the car. <laughs> so we get in the car and and go. I think my parents know where they're going because my mom had been there many times before. Nah, they get lost. But in the meantime, they also... Well, it was also the dog, the dog ran, ran, out. ran out of the house. We had to give the dog. We had to lock up. I put the address in, wind up at the wrong location on the same street, realize I'm too far away. We get there. And, and there's already a baby. There's so, a baby. Yes, because I swear they, it took them like an hour to get no, there. No, it was like and, we were probably 20 minutes behind them, 20 I swear. Minutes. <laughs> so because we get a, a, in the car 11 o'clock, I am counting every minute every bump on the way to this maturity center we get there within 10 minutes and 20 minutes later i got a new baby um and i maybe my parents were like 20 minutes after that well we we walk in and i said how are things going you know where are brandon's parents and they said oh no they said congratulations (laughs) we're like what are you talking about well the baby's here what (laughs) that's not possible we missed the whole thing so um then my daughter. So my daughter is a pandemic baby and adventures, right? So, and I am trying desperately not to get sick. So um, as we all are, right? It's the beginning of the pandemic. Nobody knows anything. Vaccines are a long way off. We're still trying to figure out what, how to take care of one another. Masking, all of that is at the very beginning. My, my daughter is born in May. Um, and for us, the, the shutdown was in March. So... Um, I'm doing all the things, but in the house, most of the time, still having a plan for a uh, maternity center birth. And um, my daughter, um, all the whole, the whole time I was telling people, so my son was very fast. Um, and when I told my first OBGYN who I loved and I really wanted to, um, for her to deliver, um, if possible, she was like, no, I deliver at this hospital a ways out. You won't make it. <laughs> like, so you have to go to someplace much closer. So we were juggling between the maternity center and having a backup with a hospital. Turns out that's what I would need. So I, um, in my first pregnancy as well as with in my second, I would have these really random cold flashes. I would just be freezing. I couldn't get warm. Um, and the last time in May... I was so overcome with cold. I couldn't uncoil. I was in a fetal position and I just was shaking violently. And usually like a heating pad, my husband around me, eventually I would come out of it, but I, I couldn't come out of it. It was really um, concerning for my, my husband and my son at the time. And so they called the hospital. We go in. My my crew um, comes in because I, I, we couldn't take my son. It's COVID. He can't go into the hospital. So I reach out to my um, community and like, y'all, like I need someone immediately to take care of my son. And my friend comes, we, we set her up with a, with a car seat and my son is off to her house and I don't know how things are going to go from there. So we go to the hospital and it's a two day experience because I develop a fever. My blood pressure is off the chart. They're worrying about my daughter and the all the things that I thought for my birthing experience at a maternity center out the window, I'm in I'm in this care. And not only that, I'm be, I'm 
um, suspected of having COVID. And so I'm put into a COVID isolation space, which at the time giving birth um, and having COVID, a child would be possibly um, separated from the mother for up to 14 days. And that was absolutely everything I was trying to avoid. Um, and so I'm in this space. I test negative for COVID four different times. It doesn't matter. I finally get over the um, fever. Doesn't matter. As soon as I take a shower and I was like, okay, I can finally go home. That's when my water breaks. And I'm like, well, this baby has other ideas. She is going to be born in this hospital. And pretty soon, four hours later, she was born. Um, <laughs> while I was watching Fast and Furious, can't remember which one, but that was my labor strategy, watching Fast and Furious on mute. <laughs> um, and, you know, it was a very different experience. Like um, the treatment that I received at the time, uh, I was low in one thing, so they give me the one thing, but then it ends up having me screaming in the night or not having my community, my mom there. You had to go to um, to uh, back home. And I remember when you left and crying and crying because I was like, Mommy, if you leave, you're not coming back. If you know what I know, I'm watching the TV. You're not coming back. Everything's going to be shut down. And you saying doesn't matter. I'm going to, I'm going to get in that car. I'm going to drive cross country. And I was like, mommy, <laughs> please don't leave. But you had to, um, my, my aunt was sick. Um, and, and so it was, yeah, me. I was trying to figure out why did I have yeah. to leave? Oh, that's your yeah. aunt did have COVID. Yeah. And my aunt had definitely COVID. ill. Yeah, definitely ill. And so at that time of worrying for my aunt, but also worrying for my body and worrying for my mom and all these things in the air, um, and not getting the care that I would have wanted and had experienced the first time because everyone had so much fear. Um, and so much so that like, it wasn't just fear. My birthing experience with my daughter was tainted by disgust in the looks of, of nurses, um, for something that I didn't even have. And so that made me really concerned for the people who were suffering from, from COVID who were, who were about to give birth. Um, and my husband, you know, we would have to beg for food for hours and um, we were there for two days. But I celebrate my, my community because for two days we're waiting for this baby to be born and I still had my baby at home and they scheduled it out. My Their uh, madrina, their, um, their godmother was like, oh, don't even worry about this because I was trying to control things. I was texting and trying to figure out who's on what shift and all this. And she's like, stop doing that. Just focus on you right now. I figured it out and she did and it was gorgeous when we came home um and and I was ready like I was I was definitely ready to come home we came home to to um her, their madrina and they were my my son was so happy and there were these beautiful chalk outlines with Aurelia's name my daughter's name and a welcome home and everybody was so happy and and the video with him yeah. seeing her for the first time and and he had a, a unique name for her yes he, that what he called her Aurelia maybe once and then she was Yati yeah <laughs> he, he's only ever said her full name the first time we came home and he was you know not even two at the time and he was like Aurelia with such wonder as he was looking into the bassinet and then immediately said Yati uh, because he was watching Pocoyo at the time, and he really loved um, that character and had nicknamed Pocoyo Yoti. And so Yoti, Yati. So that's always been her nickname from the day she came home. 
So, um, but my babies are just incredible. I, I, I wanted us to focus on these birth stories because yes, it's letting you into our lives, but do you know your birth story? Um, do your children know theirs? Do they know how much you hoped for them and cared for them and who gathered around them as your family was being formed? Do they know those stories? Because I'm sure you think about them as you look at pictures, um, you who are parents or you who are just looking at pictures of yourself as a baby and perhaps wondering who were the people who were gathered? How was I welcomed into this into this community? Do you know those stories? It's an opportunity to, to ask the questions. And one one little piece of your story, which your dad is probably going to oh, have a fit I that this. I tell this part of the story. But apparently, because I wasn't there when he said it. it, it must have been in just the presence of my mother when he when he was there when you were born because he was there um, when they had the cesarean. He was there. And he must have said something to my mother about it, you being a girl or, <laughs> or not being a boy or whatever he said. My mother took it as being disappointed. And she, who loved your dad and just thought the world of him, just was ready to strangle <laughs> my husband because of all the things I had been through. And I was trying to say to her, well, you know, Mom, it's just this reaction. It's Latinx culture with this favoritism with the boys and over the girl. You know, you, there's nothing you can do about that. But she was just so upset. Now, your father actually says that's not true, <laughs> that that never happened, that he was just happy always that you were here. But something he said gave her the impression that he was disappointed. And so he's never expressed that or, or acted as though that was the case ever. But he will swear that my mother was just totally mistaken. But again, my mother was a fierce advocate of her children and by way of transposing that advocacy, it would be to her grandchildren. Absolutely. Um. <laughs> So I, I invite you all to ask those questions of your people. How did were you welcomed into the world? What is your birth story? And if you are liking and subscribing, if you're subscribing, you might want to share a little bit of your comments on that. Oh, I discovered this. Or you are welcome to engage with us on Yeah, Instagram. we love to read your comments. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for um, listening along with this, you know, really small, narrow topic of birth stories. And I hope that it inspires you to ask those questions of becoming. Um, again, you're listening to Generational Archives with Dr. Reina J. Leon and Dr. Norma D. Thomas. And we're so glad that you've joined us. Um, like and subscribe. You can check us out on YouTube and um, also on Patreon. And keep on listening. We'll see you next week.